Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Welcome to the 2020 election headquarters on the Mike Abadir Show. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a nightmare? Huh? Everybody's like tuning in to try to get away from all that nonsense, all that noise. And uh, you're like, am I the right channel or not? No, actually, as horse players, we're really lucky in that we get an escape from what has been going on in this country over the last 48 hours. This is our Super Bowl. I'm talking about the Breeders' Cup, of course which is going to be held in the beautiful Commonwealth of Kentucky at one of the most prestigious tracks in America, if not in the world, Keeneland. So our first guest, we're just going to get right into it. Forget an intro today. We're going to dive right into the races, and we are going to be joined here, or are joined here, by Keeneland Dan. He is the in-house track handicapper at Turfway Park. He's got an amazing uh, track record at the Kentucky races and runs fat, bald guy racing and doles out winners all the time. And Dan, uh, on the eve of the Friday card, just first, how excited are you about this weekend? I can't be more excited. I mean, I think the whole country needs a, a massive distraction. First of all, we need some stress relief, right? We need to be able to enjoy ourselves, smile, get out, you know, not have to worry about all this other stuff going on and just enjoy a great, great two days of racing because, I mean, this just doesn't get any better than this. I mean, I'm disappointed that I don't get to drive the the one hour down the highway to, to Keeneland, but, you know, it's not the end of the world. I still get to spend it with my dad and and a room full of buddies over at the at the Newport Gaming. So it, it's funny to me how we can sit inside a, a casino, but we can't sit at, at an outdoor racetrack. But that's for another day. <laughs> let's so that's just, just, uh, just are they allowing in just what, enjoy owners it, right? and connections? Yeah, yeah. The own, owners and uh, connections have all got uh, a lot of tickets. Um, I'm hearing that probably four to four to forty five hundred people will be on site. Where last time they had it there with American Pharoah in 2015, I think Saturday was about 40,000. Thursday, Friday was about 30,000. And uh, it was stuffed. Don't get me wrong. It was stuffed. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I feel bad for Keeneland, but at least they did get it back in 2022 because it wasn't their decision. It wasn't the Breeders' Cup's decision. It was a government decision in, in the state of Kentucky. So, there's nothing you can do about it. When the governor puts his foot down, there's there's really nothing you can do. Oh, amen to that. And, uh, yeah, I completely agree with you. I was happy to see that they get it back. It's no fault of their own, and uh, they're just uh, following orders. So before we dive into it, the wagering menu. Wagering menu is pretty juicy. Uh, on Friday, we're looking at two pick fives, one starting in race one, the next one starting in race six. The first has a half million dollar guaranteed pool. The second one has a one million dollar guaranteed pool. The late pick four million dollar guaranteed pool. On Saturday, though, we have a couple of two million dollar guaranteed pools. And the interesting feature about the pick six this weekend is 
if the, if nobody hits on a Friday, it carries till Saturday. If it gets to Saturday, it's a mandatory payout. And what are your I think thoughts about dollar, the wagering menu it? so far? How do you how do you even begin to attack it? Well, first of all, I think they did a pretty good job with the menu. I think it could have been improved. Uh, Churchill does a better job than the rest of them do because they always use three pick fives. Um, on Saturday, they only have one pick five with five Breeders' Cup races. The other pick fives got, you know, what, two or yeah, two or three, I think three races that aren't even Breeders' Cup races. And then Friday, the other pick five and the first, or the first five have no Breeders' Cup races. So two of the four pick fives we get on Friday and Saturday don't even have Breeders' Cup races, which I don't know. I think they could have done a little bit better with that one, but it is still exciting. You know, it's these fields are just I, – I keep trying to tell guys that are small players that, you know, the pick threes pay so much. If you don't have $100, 150 200 bucks to play the pick five, you can't hit it. Unless you're betting your address and you just get lucky. You you can't hit it for really small money. It's just too tough. But the good news is you can hit pick threes. And I hit a pick three just a few years ago for a dollar in the pick five that paid 4500 So, I mean, you can hit them for 16 bucks, 20 bucks, 30 bucks on pick threes. And just, you know, if you get lucky, you don't have to win that fourth and fifth race. Sure. But, and you they're know, offering those always, at 50 cents, I, right? Exactly. And and I'm always dealing. I, it's funny when you run the fat ball guy like I do. I've got about 10 guys that bet three, four million a year. And then I've got about 300 people that go to the track with 50 bucks. So we've got to be all over the board, right? You know, we, I mean, we got to cater to the little guy and the big guy, keep everybody happy. So I'm always trying to tell the smaller players, rolling doubles are gigantic. I love rolling doubles. I, I think you can absolutely get big, big hits for small players on rolling doubles because all at the breeders cup and you'll see it by Saturday night, there'll be of these 14 races, there's going to be seven or eight winners that are going to pay somewhere between 15 and $30. It, it happens all the time. Now there may not be one, one that pays a hundred, but there'll be a bunch of eight and 10 to one shots that will win. And it happens every breeders cup. Yeah, no doubt about that. So Keeneland as a track that's probably one of your stronger tracks based on my observation. Uh, I'm guessing you feel pretty good about that track in general as well. What are some yeah, you know, yeah. biases, uh, tips, just general <laughs> thoughts as you approach handicapping that you always keep sure. in the back of your mind about the track? Sure. The first thing is I love attacking sprints because there is an absolute bias at, at Keeneland with sprints. You don't want to be, especially in big fields, you don't want to be anywhere near the inside. So, like, CZ Rocket in the sprint, which we'll talk about later, he's up against it. I mean, he has really, really got to be the best horse to win. And the sprint's not a very good field for, for a Breeders' Cup, but it's a big field. And when you got 14 horses, the, the one, twos, and threes just get terrible trips at Keeneland. And they do all the time. Even with 10, 11, 12 horses, which Keeneland gets a lot, the ones, twos, and threes just struggle. I mean, it's really hard to win from the inside with bigger fields. And, and the turf is the exact same way, where you do not want to be any. That poor California speed horse drew the rail in the turf sprint, and he needs an absolute jet engine to win because he's got a, there's no way that he's going to get out, get in front of all them horses, and stay there from the rail. It's just too hard. 
You know, the, if you look at back at every single graded stakes on the grass at Keeneland the last probably eight to ten years, you can get, a, I mean, just an unbelievable amounts of number 10, number 12, number 13, number 8, number 9. It's all outside horses all the time. Now, if you remember Mongolian, I think it was, was it Mongolian Saturday the horse name was back in 15. I think he was in the 12 hole, 13 hole, something like that mm-hmm. when he won it. You know, it's just... You know that two-year-old, the 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 the, the biggest favorite on the Friday card, Golden Pal, drew the fourteen, and I, I saw on Twitter a couple of people going, "Oh, well, that kills him." I'm back there laughing. I'm like, "No, it makes him two to five <laughs> because he drew the outside." I mean, that's where you want to be. It's just where you want to be at Keeneland. And then the other thought is, you always want to be close in sprints at Keeneland too. You don't want to have to come from far back. It's it's not as bad sometimes as Santa Anita gets out west. But you, you want to be in that first flight. You know, if, if you're stalking on the outside in the 8-9 hole and you can sit second, third, or fourth, that's where horses won the entire fall meet. You, just, you, you saw very few rail horses win unless it was a short field, and they were just much, much the best. Like the horses on Saturday is going to be 1-5 to five Nashville. He's on the rail. Well, I mean, I'm not telling people to bet against him. He's going to be one to five. He'd have been the second choice in the sprint. I mean, they decided at the last second they want to take him to the Malibu. So they decided put him in the undercard race, get him a race, and then ship him out west for the Malibu, and then have a huge year next year for Windstar as the top sprinter in the country. That's what the barn thinks. You know, now, if that horse was in the one hole in the sprint, he'd be a complete throwout to me just because he drew the one hole. Now, I know not everybody can stick to things like that, but that's that's what's helped me get a lot of different winners at Keeneland, get just a, a ton of pick fours home, is sticking to those rules. I got I got steadfast rules to stay away from the inside sprinting. And, you know, if a horse is like CZ Rocket, for example, he's going to be two to one, two and a half to one. And, you know, if he beats me, I'll just lose. It's okay. You know, I, but you got to have convictions like that that, you want to look for long shots that are at the outside that are going to be stalking on the outside. And, you know, that's just the way you got to do it at Keeneland. Yeah. I mean, one of the cool things about horse racing is the configuration of these tracks and the biases, <laughs> the real subtleties. They could give you a huge, huge advantage. You know, it kind of reminds me of baseball, like Fenway park. You, you, you hit, you t- have an approach to hitting a little bit differently than you would in the Oakland Coliseum. Uh, or with the right. short right field porch in Yankee Stadium. I love the nuances when it comes to baseball. Same thing with horse racing. Remember a few years ago before Del Mar um, kind of widened the turf track, you might as well forget about any horse outside of the nine post. It was impossible right. on turf to win. Um, and if if you don't know that, you know if you're somebody that goes to the track maybe once a year, you might be investing a lot of money or singling, you know, uh, a 12 horse or something like that when that horse really has no shot based on the post position. So uh, I love that you're giving us that key information about the inside posts in the sprints at Keeneland. Uh, one other quick observation to maybe uh, talk about before we delve in. I saw a very interesting tweet from you a couple of days ago. I think it was at the beginning of the week. And you'd mentioned something about the morning lines for the Euros. What was that all about? Whoever, and, and look, I, 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 know, I know morning lines are tough. I get it. 
but they didn't do their research. Whoever did the morning line just did no research at all on the Euros. I, I, it's like he picked them hey, out, of the, out of the sky. Give me an example, Well, let's see. Let me flip to uh, to Friday's. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm putting you on the spot just, here. Just I realize for, that. Okay, yeah. Just for example, the seventh race Friday is the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf Grade One. Now he comes out with a line, and he's got new mandate twelve to one. Europe immediately opens six to one. He's got battleground six to one. In Europe, the horse is anywhere from two to one to three to one. I mean, it, anybody that knows battleground is one of the better horses in Europe for as a two-year-old. I mean, they, Aiden O'Brien doesn't usually bring his top ones over here. This might be his first or second best two-year-old colt, and he's bringing him here. So how in the world is he six to one? It, it just doesn't make any sense. And then he makes an American horse, Mutas a big, the favorite in the race. It's like, wait a minute. Now, I know that horse has a chance. Don't get me wrong. I bet on him last time. He has a chance. But he should be fifth or sixth choice behind these Euros. I mean, the, the Euros in this race are really good. I, I would be shocked if we get past the seventh race on Friday and our Euro does not win this race. I don't know which one's going to win because there's a bunch of them in here that are good. But if an American horse wins the Colt turf race for two-year-olds on Friday, I'll be shocked. I will be absolutely shocked. Now, Dan, uh, just that's to clarify. Just, and that's when just you one say, example. Okay, okay. Uh, and, and if you've got more, uh, please uh, uh, feel free to share. Uh, when you say he, just to clarify, uh, is this Mike Battaglia that does the morning lines for Keeneland as well? I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure. Now, I know for the Breeders' Cup, sometimes they have their own people, but I'm pretty sure Mike Battaglia did the, did the morning line, but I'm not positive. I'm not positive okay. on that. Because, okay. for example, like at Turfway, they say publicly that Mike Battaglia does the Turfway lines, but he doesn't. So I know he doesn't. So I don't know if he really did do these or not. Um but the American horses, they just they, they put the American horses in these turf races. And here's another example, Arklo. Arklo in Europe is 20 to 1. I, thought that, I really believed that the, that the show on TV when they hung Arklo in the turf at 5 to 1, I thought it was a misprint. I kept refreshing my screen going, I'm, I'm missing the 1. I mean, he has to at least be 15 to 1, maybe 20 to 1. 5 to 1? I mean, you've got to be kidding me. He, he's lower than Tarnawa, who just won the big uh, pre-opera in Europe. She won it. She's the best filly in Europe. And Abel came over here and was the favorite. You know, Magical is the favorite. At least they got that right at 5-2. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Tarnawa and Magical are the two best fillies in Europe. I mean, they're, they're both coming. I mean, now, you know, there's a, there's a cold in there that's got a chance that we'll talk about, too, but... Again, we're talking about three euros. You know how Arklo could be five to one in that race. I mean, there's, I don't, I, if if Arklo wins the turf, it'll be one of the biggest upsets we've we've had in the turf in a long time. It's always interesting to me to see when you're talking about pools of this size, how, you know, when it when you're talking about let's just say like a, a Thursday at Charlestown. You know, you could kind of identify that uh, mismatched morning line, and you're really excited because you're going to get six to one. And then, uh, you know, at post time, right. you realize that it's uh, even money. 
with, with the big pools, you may be able to, you know, get something close, I'm hoping, to some of the value that you might be uh, looking at, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's the one thing about the Breeders' Cup, and that's why so many horses pay 15 to $20, you know, sometimes $25 that you look at and you're like, well, here's an example. Two years ago at Churchill, I was on the Breeders' Cup show, and they asked me, you know, what do you, what do you think of the morning line? And I said, well, line of duties, 12 to 1. Who made this line? Somebody drunk? He should be four to five. <laughs> and everybody, everybody, everybody on the show was like, what? Huh? Well, the horse won. I mean, he won the race. And, and, and I, think he, I think he opened two to one first flash because everybody in Europe bet on the horse. But a lot of times those horses go unnoticed and it's not that drastic where, you know, you can get a $10 winner on an Aiden O'Brien or a John Gosden or something like that, that, I mean, nobody even pays any attention to. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. I mean, so your there's point only is a few like champagne. My analogy with, with Charlestown, it only takes one, one heavy hitter for, for a track of that size to identify that, uh, the value in that morning line, put $5,000 on it. And then everybody else kind right. of suffers with that same, you know, price. Whereas because how much money is coming in and, and you make a great point, you're talking about internationally, people from all over the world are, are betting into these pools, you still might be able to get that, you know, maybe not well, that yeah, morning and, line. And exactly, a good example is, close. Chad, when's the last time we ever get more than eight to five on Chad Brown? Now, <laughs> yeah. in the Breeders' Cups, you're getting public sector is going to be about seven or eight to one. Uh, that uh, editor horse that drew the 14 hole going to be about 10 or 12 to one. And those horses got legitimate chances. You know, you, there's Chad Brown horses all over the card that are good values. I mean, I think I saw Sister Charlie was like six or seven to one. I mean, are they? I mean, if we could get six or seven to one on Sister Charlie, it, they're forcing you to bet. Even though, look, she's in a really tough field and she hasn't run great this year. But still, Chad Brown at six or seven to one on a world champion. You know, it's like wow. You know, well, you don't, you just don't get that. I mean. A couple of years ago at Churchill, you would have, you would have died. I, I bet every dollar in my pocket on Roy H. I mean, I couldn't find enough money that I brought with me in, in my billfolds, in my computer, in the contest. I bet every single penny on Roy H. What was that and one? Like everybody or, just kept, or, or, uh, uh, nine to two? Is that yeah, yeah, is my memory right? Yeah, yeah, I think he, yeah, I think he ended up at like four to one. And I just kept staring at going, are these people crazy? He drew the outside post where he's going to stalk on the outside. He's going to go into the lead at the head of the lane. There's nobody in here to beat this horse. You know, I mean, do they not know Peter Miller? Do they not know? I mean, I just kept staring at it. But that's the kind of value you can get every year. And and we're not talking about 20 to ones. We're talking about four, five, six, seven, eight to ones on horses that every day at Charleston would be eight to five, two to one. But sure. the fields are so deep. They're so confusing that, and you've got all these people across the country. The California people all like the California horses. It's funny. As soon as my brother moved to California, every horse he calls me on is from California. <laughs> and I just start laughing. I'm like, let me guess. You're going to give me the Bob Baffert horse. And then, he goes, well, uh, you know, you're going to give me the Peter Miller horse. And, and it's always the same thing where when I'm calling him, I'm giving him Kentucky horses. And the New York guys all like the New York horse. And, you know, so that's why you get money on so many different horses and your horse ends up being a decent price instead of, you know, everybody on the same Todd Pletcher horse. And, 
he could be four to one morning line. He goes up four to five anyway. So that's sure. And it's funny. We're always calling. We're always wishing in a daily thing that we could get fixed rate odds, right? But in the Breeders' Cup, we don't even need them. Yeah, there, no, that's a great point. And uh, you got to wonder also with a lot of these uh, owners that own this caliber of uh, of uh, horse. You know, you're probably talking about some of these guys are heavy hitters as well. I'd love to see kind of some of the money that's thrown around on some of their own horses. Hey, Dan, can you stick with us uh, through this commercial break? Yeah. I know we haven't even gotten to, uh, to 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 the races that we're going to be talking about. So uh, if you can hang with us. Absolutely. Outstanding. All right, everyone. We're talking to Keeneland Dan, fat, bald guy racing. Check him out. Always delivers, especially in the Kentucky circuit especially at Keeneland, and it'll serve you well for the Breeders' Cup. Stay with us. We will be right back for more Breeders' Cup talk. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. Racers and Rental Cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you? It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemond Williams. Each week, join Lemond as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific. For Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Back with Keeneland Dan. And hopefully after that first segment, you guys saw the quality information that Dan is doling out. Got your pen and paper ready take down some notes we're going to jump into the uh, friday card just one race that we're going to focus on for friday and at the end of the segment we will make sure to uh, let you know how you could reach dan uh how you could follow him on twitter how you could look at some of his products and maybe dan will let us know kind of what the packages are like and if there are any specials going on but let's get to friday dan you are looking at race eight i believe yes on Friday, yeah, we figured we'd do the, the, the big Cup two-year-old Juvenile Philly Phillies. Yep. 
Yeah, first thing I'm going to tell you is this. I'm a big formulator buyer number guy, but I'm also a rag guy too. So I look at both those numbers. And here's the problem with the favorite here. And I know everybody loves Bob Baffert. I know everybody loves this undefeated Philly uh, Princess Nor out in California. But if you're a numbers guy, she's the third to fourth fastest horse in this race. And that's a fact. I mean, no matter what number you look at, she's not the fastest on the Briz numbers. She's not the fastest on the buyer numbers. She's not the fastest on the rag numbers. So you're going to get seven to five probably on the, on the outside, which is only seven horses. So outside is not that big of a deal. But is she fast enough to win? I, I don't know if she is. And I do know the connections here personally. And I know that Kenny McPeak absolutely loves Simply Ravishing. And I know all the people around her think that she's just this going to be this absolute superstar. And she drew the rail. She's got speed. She should be the favorite. She's the fastest horse on paper. Now, can she get to the lead and carry it all the way? You know, I, it, it's a little bit misleading that she made an easy lead in the Alcibiades because the other speed horse, True Column, which was a Brad Cox horse, didn't break. She, she missed the break. So she was on an easier lead than she's going to get in the Breeders' Cup because Vequist is going to run a little bit early. Day at the Spa will run a little bit early. Uh, and then Princess Nor is going to run a little bit early. So it could be one of those things where they go down the backside, they may be four across the track. So when I kept looking at that, I said, well, what about Girl Daddy, the five? If you watch the replay of that horse's race, now, first of all, Dale Romans told the entire country that this horse was a world beater her first time out. So she was like eight to one morning line, went off eight to five, like we talked about before. She wins in a hand ride, comes back into Pocahontas, and the morning line makers got her like six or eight to one again. And we're all like, what on earth is going on? There's no way she's going to be that big of a price. Well, she did go off seven to two and win in a hand ride again. And that was a good field. Crazy Beautiful, who's the sixth horse in this race, was in that field and was the favorite in that race, and she destroyed her. She was geared down at the end. So I don't know how good Girl Daddy is, but she might get the perfect trip in behind four horses across the track. So anybody that's playing the pick fours or pick fives, I'm begging you don't single Princess Nor. I'm not telling you not to take her, but I'm saying... The one can win and the five can win. And if you single Princess Nor, you're going to get a bad price and she's not the fastest horse on paper. So she has to improve. She might, but she has to improve. And when you go back and look at her charts, she has beat nothing but tomato cans. Nothing. There is not one quality horse that she's beaten yet. So maybe she's a superstar and we just can't see it but I can't single her. She's not the single in the pick five on Friday at all. That's I am my so opinion. happy to hear that because we are on the exact same page, Dan. In fact, I promised the listeners that I would dole out one pick three, and here it is. I'm going to give it out right now. Uh, I'm chucking out, using a Dave Weaver's term, chuck it out. I'm chucking out the seven, uh, and I am a Californian, <laughs> and I love Bob Baffert and love California horses, but I kind of saw it similarly as you did, Dan, uh, especially too, because Simply Ravishing has just done no wrong. Uh, increased speed figs each time out. Uh, has a win at the track. It's the only horse that does in, in this field. 
And, uh, yeah, I think Baffert's going to take all the action. So here's the pick three. If you guys got pen and paper, I'm going to give it out real fast. Race eight, one, three, five. Race nine, two, four, five, nine, ten, twelve. Race 10, 3, 5, 7, 8, 11. On a 50-cent ticket, that's 45 bucks. But as Dan and I were talking about before the break or before the show, pick threes can pay real well. Actually, it was during the show. <laughs> pick threes can pay real well on a day like this. So you chuck out a favorite, you're probably going to you know, uh, do, do pretty well if you could connect the dots. Let's move to Saturday. Let's go to Let's race four, Phillies and Mare Sprint. Oh, yep, I skipped it. Yep, race four, Philly and Mayor Sprint. And again, if you listened earlier to what I was talking about with the post position, guess what we got in the in the Philly and Mayor Sprint? We have a horse that's going to be probably even money. The number two. In the two hole. Yep. That, can't, that cannot make the lead. Absolutely, unequivocally, cannot make the lead. She will not be in front at the first call. So can she still win? Yeah. I mean, she could, but she's not going to be in front. She has to take dirt in her face. She's going to have to either get through the rail or come around because nobody's beating Serengeti Empress to the lead. Nobody. She's probably one of the fastest Phillies I have ever seen in my life in the first quarter of a mile, first half of a mile. I mean, she's running sub 44s, on the East coast and in Kentucky. And that doesn't happen. Now, I know in, in, in California that does happen because they have the longer run-ups to where they're running and they're in full speed before the clock starts. Well, in Kentucky, they don't have those. So a sub 43, you know, half at Saratoga at, at Churchill is absolutely flying. It's just flying. And she may not hold on. She may get nailed on the wire but I've never seen a Philly doing better than her at this age of her career right now. And now you go from Gaff Leone, who's a pretty good rider, to Luis Saez, who's probably, at least around these parts, the best speed rider in the country as far as we know. Now, out west, there may be other guys. Yeah, he's hot, and he, he just lets them roll out of that gate. And then down the lane, it's up to them to gut it out. And Venetian Harbor's pretty fast in the six hole. You know, she'll try to inject some speed. Gamim's going to try to go with her early. Um, and then that in the midst of Viz, who's going to be probably 100 to 1. I mean, she'll run early for a little while. But Serengeti Empress, when they start to turn that bend, is going to be in front. Now, from there, what happens? That's the big question. Can Gamine, as a three-year-old filly, beat these older horses, or will she pull a unique Bella and end up last? You know, everybody was on unique Bella. Oh, she's the fastest thing since sliced bread. She's the greatest. And then as soon as she fa- faced a quality field, she was nowhere to be found in the Breeders' Cup. Um, and, and I'm afraid Gamine could be that. So I'm telling everybody... If you're betting pick fours, pick fives, I understand if you take the two. I get it. I, I've always had that argument with people. If you're not, if you don't really like the favorite, do you chuck them or do you just add other horses? And you know, everybody's got their own philosophy on that, especially in the Breeders' Cup. But I think Serengeti Empress has to be on your ticket, and then I it think Bell's the one has to be on your right? ticket. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <That's how laughs> yeah, Friday went pretty well. I may be able to add another horse or two in that ticket. So, hey, Dan, I'm running right. a little bit time uh, short on time here, and I want to make sure that we can get uh, all your information as well. So if you could kind of sure. give us some quick hitters on the uh, turf sprint and the sprint uh, for our listeners, and then we could get into some fat bald guy racing plugs. Okay, tur- turf sprint, I would I would stay to the outside again. I think there's a huge long shot in the turf sprint. Name Extravagant Kid towards the outside. They also, um, I'm trying to remember the name of the horse, Wild Man Jack, I think is the name, from California, shipping out that had the rail. They drew the outside. They're like 11 and 14, I believe. Um, look at those two. They're both going to be 15, 20 to 1. They're both going to be somewhere in that area, and they're going to get perfect stalking trips and that they, one of them too, could win this race. So make sure you use them. And then in the sprint, I'm, uh, I think Yopin's going to be really tough, the favorite on the outside. But if I saved with a horse and, and trifectas, and I actually tweeted this out and got horrible feedback. Everybody thought I was just some horrible person for saying this, <laughs> but lasting legacy, the 15 drew into the race. When they made that horse an also eligible, I laughed. I said, well, this horse could actually win. Why would they make this horse an also eligible? Well, now he drew in, so he's in the 14 hole. Just draw a line through his last race. He got completely left in the gate. He didn't break. That was a very tough field. He was going to win that day, but he didn't break. So with that in mind, you're thinking he's coming off of a win, a win, and a second, and he's going to be 30, 40 to 1. And the perfect post on the outside, I'm telling you, if Yopin wins, and this horse comes running for second or third, you're going to want that trifecta because he's going to be every bit of 35 to one, maybe 40 to one. And don't leave out lasting legacy. I'm begging you not to. Wow. I love it. That's good stuff right there, Dan. Love long shots. Also eligibles, creative handicapping tells you just how thorough Keeneland Dan is. So for the listeners out there that want to kind of get in on some Keeneland Dan action, where do they follow you on Twitter, and what's the website? Keeneland Dan at Fatball Guy Racing on Twitter, and I promise you we're back to racing and basketball. We're not talking any of that other stuff anymore. That's over. And then, and then uh, on, on online, it's fatballguyracing.com, and we also got fbgmobile.com. Um, we've got monthly packages. If you just bet one or two days, we've got the Breeders' Cup package. Um, but if you want to get in for the whole year, that's the best deal. And we're offering right now, it's $34 a month. So if you play every weekend, I mean, your forms cost twice that, you know, so it's dirt cheap. We're not trying to take your entire budget. You know, you, you pay once a month, it comes right off your credit card or, or PayPal and you don't even notice it. And you get all kinds of stuff every day. You know, we've, we've got tracks all over the place and I got seven handicappers that work for me. I do all the main tracks here in Kentucky, New York, and Florida. And then we got some guys on the West Coast that are helping and guys at Oakland helping. So it works out. It's been a great deal. It's our eighth year. And, and I always tell everybody, name a business like ours that's been around eight years. Nobody does because there isn't any. They all fade away because it's too much work. Um, but I love it, and I'm not going to stop. Dan, love having you on, buddy. Thank you for all the great info fantastic conversation best of luck to you this weekend my friend all right you too talk to you soon sounds good my friend that is keeneland dan 
Fat Bald Guy Racing. Definitely got to check him out. Another person that you got to check out is going to be our next guest. First time guest on the Mike Abadir show. Very, very well um, touted. I've uh, gotten uh, uh, some really, really positive feedback about this handicapper. And I'm talking about Kobe Judd with Racing with Judd. Kobe, good afternoon. Well, good evening for you. How are you, my friend? Doing good. How are you, Mike? I'm doing pretty well. Hey, first of all, thank you for your patience. I definitely appreciate you hanging hanging in there with us. You know, there's just uh, so much when it when you're talking about the Breeders' Cup and, and Keeneland as a track. You know, we spent the first few minutes of the show just talking about the uh, track biases and, you know, other aspects of the race course that you got to pay attention to before you even make your plays. Do you have any kind of uh, insight into that? Do you have any rules for yourself when it comes to Keeneland uh, as you approach Handicapping Friday and Saturday? Keeneland, you know, speed is generally the way to go with Keeneland. And this year with uh, Churchill starting up about a week later and the weather we got in Lexington last week and at the end of the meet, there's not really – you can't determine a track bias – um, right now, a lot of people, I had some people ask me how the track plays, and I'm just going to play it like I usually do with uh, the speed, you know, on the dirt, on the speed. Um, you can wire them on the turf. Uh, you know, earlier this year, I had like on a, a Saturday, Michael Tomlinson and Joe Rocco, $40 winner, only winner I had on the day. But the speed on Keeneland on the turf course is, is extremely helpful. And uh, you can sometimes steal it on the front end over there. It's a, it, I think it plays, especially on the turf, a very forgiving turf course. You know, and that's an interesting point because I think you have to kind of, you know, take a look at the uh, turf, you know, how it's graded because of the weather. If there's any condensation, obviously there's not, uh, there's no rain in the forecast, thankfully. But it's really important on the turf because you're dealing with euros. And so you're talking about uh, a really a different type of handicapping once you integrate them. Uh, just in general, how do you approach handicapping the European shippers? Well, you know, last last time the Breeders' Cup was um, at Keeneland, we had the ARC winner that Frankie rode, the big favorite. Golden uh, Golden Horn came over, and he got beat. Um, if you remember that crazy pace, the, the Chad Brown set kind of set himself up with the race, sent out the uh, rabbit out there, and that horse got beat. But, you know, the Europeans had some success over the Keeneland, uh, the Keeneland turf course, so I kind of just judge it. I'm going into this British Cup just judging the best horse is going to win. I mean, obviously, if some horse sticks out on, on trips, you know, I think in the fourth tomorrow, uh, early on in the day, there's a speed horse that could get away, but that's just based on the trip he's going to have. There's no – I don't think the Euros are at any big disadvantage coming in other than the travel and the usual stuff they have to come in with. Yeah, no doubt about that. I'm kind of curious as to – maybe you know this. What kind of quarantine? Was it any different because of COVID or pretty much a standard procedure – uh, for for these shippers. Let's hang on to that thought, though. Uh, if you could hang with us through this uh, quick commercial timeout, we'll dive right into some of the races that Kobe wants to examine. Stay with us, everyone. We will be right back after this. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Creators Cup 2020. Hopefully this is the exact distraction that we all are looking for as a nation because this is the Super Bowl of horse racing. So we're going to be covering a couple of races from Friday and Saturday. Want to give a quick shout out to a first time listener, Saul. He made it a point to send us a tweet letting us know that he'll be listening today. So Saul, hopefully you're enjoying the show and uh, got your pen and paper writing down some of these picks from these great handicappers. Keeneland Dan and Kobe Judd racing with Judd is the website. We'll talk more about that towards the end here. Let's get right to it. Friday card is fantastic. I I love the Friday card. It's a challenging card. There's a lot of good races, so many different uh, directions we could take this. Let's start with race six on Friday. And that is the, uh, let me scroll to it here. That is the Juvie Turf Sprint at five and a half furlongs. What direction are you going with this? Because I know you're you're a long shot player in general. Well, well, first off, my handicap is pretty simple. We're in we're in horse racing to make money. I mean, I take my top picks. I can go one for twenty over two days. If you got a forty two dollar winner, you're walking out with forty two dollars based on a two dollar wager. You're making money. So the six does start out on my first big long shot on the day, and it really goes down to – I was checking Twitter today, and uh, being from Kentucky, I have the pleasure to have Travis Stone as my home track announcer. And he, he tweeted out a really interesting stat today about uh, the five-and-a-half furlong uh, turf sprints at Keeneland. You know, it plays like a six-furlong turf course, really, and that speed isn't uh, – it's a really testing course. You know, speed isn't great. Obviously, if you have the fastest horse, the best horse, that you can wire them. The Keeneland, it, speed only hits at 19% of the time and uh, compared to the average of 27% of the time. So I'm going to take a shot in this race on the 12 Dirty Dangle at 20 to 1. And really, um, what I noticed was last time I was handicapping with, but it was one of their big days. I can't quite remember what day it was, but this horse I liked a lot out of uh, the new Red Hot Sire, not this time. And this, uh, this filly took, she took to the turf for the first time and was absolutely amazing. Uh, she showed her massive turn of foot by angling out going five furlongs at 56 and four. And I think that, I think that she's going to really take a big step forward. She's in off the private purchase for Gary Barber 
into the Mark Cassie barn. She's going to improve. She's got some really strong workouts coming into this race, like a 58 and three work on the 10th at Woodbine. She comes in with a snappy four furlong, 47 and four work. Um, I think off the private purchase, she is going to get a perfect trip. She can close. She gets a little added ground at five and a half, third start of her career. And also, trainer Wesley Ward uh, mentioned this a long time ago. Phillies as a two-year-old have a little bit of advantage when facing the Colts in these turf sprints. Not only is she going to get her weight break, she's carrying uh, she's carrying 119 pounds, just three-pound weight break, but it seems like they tend to be a little bit better uh, going against the boys in this race. I think that, like I said, she passed the eye test last time. She should get a perfect trip. Tyler Gaffleon has dominated the Kentucky Me Too recently. He's a fantastic rider. Um, Shamrock Rose brings him back to these connections. I know Irad wrote her to her breeder's stuff win, but I've had a lot of luck with uh, Gary Barber and uh, Mark Cassie over the years, and uh, Dirty Dangle is going to be my big price. In that race, Golden Pal, everybody's talking about Golden Pal. The 14 hole's got to be a big concern. I'm also a little concerned we're going to get to here in a second, the ninth. Um, her work, uh, his work tab, excuse me, is not very strong coming in this race. I think Golden Pal coming off the layoff is very vulnerable out of the 14 hole. Clearly, the um, the breeding of Golden Pal out of Lady Shipman and Uncle Mo, very talented horse. And then maybe at a price, I'm a big big believer of Time Form US. Uh, Momos is uh, for Christopher Clement and Manny Franco. He comes into this race uh, for Time Form as the speed of the speed. Um, cuts back from six furlongs, adds the blinkers on, comes in with a sharp three furlong work in 35 and one. Could quite possibly still in on the front end, second off a little layoff too. Uh, for a barn that's absolutely fantastic in Christopher Clement. That's the number seven, almost 15 to one. So that sounds to me like, uh, you know, depending on how you play it, those could be two key horses in your horizontals and your pick threes, pick fours. Uh, I sometimes, when I see long shots like that, that I really like, I may go seven twelve with all in an exacta and then all with seven twelve, basically wheel it or box it or whatever you want to call it. How do you play these? Uh, I'm, I'm going to play this race. So straight up, I'm going to play, um, you know, play some pick threes with it. I'm definitely going to fire on the 12 to win. Um, probably play the exact 12, uh, 12, seven with the, I threw the three in there. I thought, uh, Aiden O'Brien's horse made some sense with the three. Bodenheimer is interesting from the 10 hope. I think I put like three, uh, over the 3, 7, 10, 12, 14, of course. I'm going to try to get Wesley Ward in there in second. And then, you know, of course, in the pick threes, you're going to have to have Wesley Ward because i still got some prices in the next race. But I'm definitely – I really zoom in on that top pick uh, playing to win. You know, 20 to 1, that can make or break your day. And let me go on the record. There's no way that horse is going to be 20 to 1. Um, I think Dan mentioned it last time about the morning lines. It, it's a little bit – there's no way that horse is going to be 20 to 1. Yeah, and uh, speaking of another 20-to-1, that three-horse, you're talking about Ryan Moore, one of the best riders in the world, one of the best turf riders on the planet. So, uh, I mean, Aiden O'Brien, this this maybe, this maybe race, like you said, if that 14-post is an issue, if that layoff is an issue, this is going to set up to be long shot galore. Okay, let's get to race nine. I don't want us to run out of time here. So let's uh, do a quick kind of... Uh, Let's see here. Yep, I got it. Race nine, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies turf that's contested for one mile. So maybe you could just kind of give us who your top pick is and what you like underneath, if anything. 
Well, I think this is a straight two-horse race. I think this is a good race to talk about on the air because Aunt Pearl versus Campanelli is going to be the match race of the whole day. Every race this Breeders' Cup is real competitive, but this race has got two really good horses. Wesley Ward statistically struggles stretching his horses out on the uh, turf to two turns, but I am completely against anyone that argues that Ward can't get the whole two-turn or distance stretch out or limitations or only wins as a two-year-old, the kind of uh, stigma that he carries. Ward's won this race before. I think he won the open one, not the Phillies with uh, the Hoot Nanny that year uh, for the Ramseys. But Ward, top trainer, 27% on the year. Uh, this was his Royal Ascot winner. She did that over the weak side of the surface. Um, she stayed on the far side, which was an extremely uh, – it was the not playing to speed. Frankie kept her out there. They thought Frankie would try to get off the far side. He kept her out there. She wore him out. She looks like a filly that's going to go longer. Then she won a group one going six furlongs, one eleven and 4 And when Frankie asked her, um, she's ready to go. You mentioned Ryan Moore. In my opinion, I believe that Frankie's the best rider in the world. Um, Wesley Ward puts – puts him on, and she's got a really amazing work on October 4th. Uh, five furlongs and 59-4. and four. I watched that. This is, this is Ward's best shot, in my opinion. And then Aunt Pearl, uh, two races from the Brad Cox barn have been absolutely amazing. She has done nothing wrong. Uh, she broke the Jesmond Stakes record last out. Mile and 16th, 140-4. and four. She's the real deal. I'm actually taking a shot on the morning line with Campanelli, but those two, it's going to be an awesome race. That's the five and the ten. And uh, as far as Frankie being the best, definitely the best backflipper I've ever seen. Okay, let's uh, let's move on to Saturday, and uh, we are looking at races eight, which is the start of the late pick five, which is guaranteed at two million dollars, and race eight. So race, uh, uh, excuse me, race eight and race twelve. Let's start with race eight. Yeah, clearly race eight started off, you know, with the sad news this week of Vacoma scratching out. You know, Vacoma clearly has put together a monstrous campaign. With the uh, with the wide open year that we've had, I think if Vacoma wins uh, the sprint, he could be in contention for horse of the year, really, when you look at his uh, body of work with three grade one wins, if you would have added the sprint. So he's out. Um, we're going to go to, on my top pick, we're going to go to Patrick Biacone's horse, Diamond Oops. Going to take a little bit of shot here. Uh, last out, absolutely loved this horse's race. Uh, D- Diamond Oops is absolutely awesome with Patrick Buchone. I uh, love the work tab that he's coming in with. Um, got a good five furlong workout, two back on October 26th and 59-2. Then he sent him on the turf. But what I really like about Diamond Oops, he's two for two this year. And the Phoenix, he won. That was the second fastest time going six furlongs. And he looked like he still needs a little race in his Turf sprint, he was coming off the layoff. He looked a little, looked like he needed a little bit into him. I think Patrick Biacone's really setting this horse up for a big race. If you go back to last year in the uh, Mr. Prospector, he went seven furlongs, 121 and one. And what I really like about this runner was his time form U.S. speed figure that he got in that race. In that race. He got a 125 and a 128 class race. Today's projections only 120. Diamond Oops, Biacone's a fantastic trainer. You get the best jockey in Falon Shrew. You get a fast horse, third start off the layoff. I think it's Diamond Oops' is a race to lose. Yeah, and Biancone, he's not one of those guys that gets, uh, you know, Derby fe- fever, Triple Crown fever, Breeders' Cup fever. You know, in fact, he's only shipped one horse to Keeneland this entire year, and he won. So we know that he means business. He uh, carefully, you know, uh, handicaps the his chances, I think. And, and uh, he usually spots them pretty well when it comes to these big type of races. 
Race 12, the granddaddy. Yeah, the big one, for sure. Let's this go, is the Breeders' uh, Cup Classic, $6 million race. Very competitive field. Where are you looking? I'm going to go the four outside, maximum security. I think uh, when you look at what's going on this year and the barn transfer from Jason Service, maximum security has been through it all. And I know with with the Baffert being in the in the press here recently with all that, just he's really getting a hard time through it. Uh, Baffert's the best trainer in the world, and, and there's nothing to what what people want to say. Maybe on Twitter, there's not a not a better trainer in the world. And I think he's going to top off this year with uh, maximum security in the winter circle. Uh, if you go back to his Saudi Cup, you know clearly he won the richest race of all time, twenty million dollars, and he did it the hard way, in my opinion. Uh, he looks like the horse to beat out of the 10-hole. Not happy about the post position, uh, but I think with Saez going to get him out there, uh, you should be able to get him on the lead. Maybe uh, I, I doubt Baffert's going to du- duel his horses with, uh, with authentic, but authentic, maximum security is going to be some speed. Uh, if you go back to maximum security San Diego, his first race off the uh, layoff from Jason Service, he set off the speed. He had a brutal trip, and he ran down a nice horse in midcourt. So if he has to take back maybe a little bit of authentic, I think authentic's a little faster. Time form US has um, maximum security ahead of him. It really doesn't matter with the trip. He's going to be up there. He's going to sit a perfect trip. I love how he won the Pacific Classic. I think that's the best older horse race in the country. Not this year. The field wasn't as good, but just from overall body of work. And then everybody's looking at the awesome again. He didn't run great. Toss it. He looks like a completely different horse coming in off these workouts. This is the horse I'm going to. This will be my, uh, not best bet, but when it comes to the big race, that's who I want, maximum security. As you listeners can see, this is the reason why we brought on Kobe Judd, because he brings you a lot of long shots, and when he hones in on a a horse that maybe is going to be a favorite or a second favorite, gives you the reasons for that. Kobe, how can our listeners follow you, and what is your website? We got about a minute to go here. Hey, on, one last thing. Let me add in on the British Cup a little price. Global campaign, uh, Kevin Plank, owner and founder of Under Armour. He's closing up shop, Hunter Rankin, those guys out there at Sagamore Farm. They do a fantastic job. They're going to send out their last runner with Global campaign. I think he's going to run a big race as well. I think it's like 20 to 1. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Racing with Judd. Um, I'm going to offer, you can buy my Breeders' Cup picks for $25 for both days on my website at racingwithjudge.wix backslash my site. Um, you can buy them there or on my Twitter, um, Venmo, PayPal accepted. And then I'm going to offer my rebates. So see, with my picks, if my top picks don't have a positive return on investment, I give you your money back. I'm not That's in to make money. I'm in Love to make it, Kobe. Thank you so money. much. I hate to cut you off, but we are up against the clock. DM me if you want more information on Kobe, and I'll send you his links. As always, thank you for listening. Have a tremendous Breeders' Cup weekend. Make a lot of money. I'll see you same time, same place next week. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.